Hey, welcome to Conversations with my dear friend, Jeff Conway. My name is Susan. This is A Different Kind of Walk. Okay, the pills are stuck in my throat, so I might need to chug a little bit more during our whatever, but... That's fine. Go for it. Welcome back to a different kind of walk podcast. Uh, We are genuinely honored that you are here with us. So uh, just briefly today, we wanted to let you know about some things that are happening. And the first big one is that after... I think for postponements, uh, we will be going uh, on an accessibility trip on the Camino de Santiago. Uh, So in 2017, when I was just using a cane, I walked from St. John to Santiago, which was 500 miles. And Patty joined me in Saria for the last 100 miles. I had this crazy idea with my friends that, hey, we should do this. And um, we learned about the accessibility trip and got accepted to that and got all signed up. And a number of people supported us. In fact, we will be donating money and a $5,500 off-road wheelchair to the ALS PLS Association of Philadelphia. That was hard to say, but I think I got it out, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm excited to tell you that this trip is finally happening. And uh, I guess pray for the ALS PLS Association that they actually get this off-road wheelchair because Gil and Toma, who are pushing me, have threatened to push me off a cliff at different times. Um, (laughs) They are friends that go back 45 years. We met my freshman year of college and we have been brothers ever since then. Um, And uh, Toma's wife. So it's Jeff Gill, who is Gill because we're both Jeffs. It's Toma, who is David Toma uh, or Mr. Toma to his students because he was a teacher. He's retired now. Uh, but Toma's wife, uh, Kathy, is there to keep all three of us in order. So we're joining a group led by Justin Skizik and Patrick Gray, who wrote I'll Push You and are leading accessibility trips now for the last 100 miles. And um, there are six of us in wheelchairs and 30 some people pushing uh, so you can do the math. So it means that you have some time just to walk. You don't have to be pushing people the whole time. So uh, when you're going up or down a hill, you'll have two people pushing you and two people with a rope pulling you. I leave on the 10th of June and arrive in Spain on the 11th. And uh, we meet the whole team the night of the 11th, and we begin walking on the 12th, and we get to Santiago on the 19th. I have a wheelchair inside the house that I'm using now because of the number of falls, and I'm training myself to use it uh, and walk on my toes 
to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the chair that I'm taking with me to Spain because it has big uh, wheels at the back. So all the cobblestones and all that, it will just be a much smoother trip going to dinner and going out and those kind of things. Uh, so I have uh, that that I'll be taking with me along with the big push chair. So we will wake up every morning. I will have a caliente leche, uh, which is me speaking the best Spanish that I can to say hot milk, uh, which for some reason it is not like a vanilla steamer here at Starbucks. Mm. The whole thing is foamy. Mm. And it's wonderful and warm. And they're telling us it's going to be cool in the afternoon or mornings and warm in the afternoon. So having something warm to drink in the morning will be brilliant for me. And so, you know, Toma, Gil, Kathy and I are excited to be together, but we've talked about this um, mainly through texting where the four of us can text together. And I just said, I need you guys not to stay with me the whole time. I want you to experience the Camino the way I did. So make sure you spend time meeting the other people. Make sure you spend time walking in silence. Um, You know, just to encourage them. And and I I want them to push me not off a cliff, but but be around me at times also because, you know, we love each other. We see each other once a year and this is our time to see each other that once a year. Um, But we are staying extra time also. So we'll have some of that extra time. So I am not doing the changing meds, but um, I'll be back on the regular regiment, which will still be you know, driving in a car to Washington, D.C. is difficult. So flying on a seven-hour flight, then an eight-hour flight on the way home is going to be challenging. Mm-hmm. Being on a rocky, ruddy, bumpy trail will be challenging, but I don't care. Um, and that doesn't make sense to some people. <coughs> but I want to experience this with Gil and Toma. And I want them to smell God in their own way because nobody's Camino is the same. That's why I always tell people, maybe read one book or two books about the Camino if you're going, but don't read a whole lot because don't get mixed up in people's stories about Mm -hmm. the Camino. Uh, I have a couple chapters still to finish on my book, a different kind of walk. Um, And the subtitle is Soul Prep for the Camino and Life, but it's not the story of my Camino. It's the story of how I've come to understand God's forgiveness, uh, God's love, um, God's empowerment, God's grace. You know, I could go on about that, but um, uh, Susan will get that published because she's so good at things and she'll get that published by, um, um, you know, a month after I get back from the trip. Yep, totally. So, um, so we spend a couple more days. So I guess it's the 24th that we fly home. Um, so we're excited about that. And um, Susan, what are you going to do? You're going to do the very best you can do to train me mm-hmm. to figure out how to get on 
beam cast whatever so that on our podcast site uh i can give a little bit of an update and an overview of the day and maybe introduce you to some of the other people that are in chairs being pushed and why they wanted to do the Camino and some of the helpers and where their call came from too. Cause they're all different when you read their stories, why they wanted to be a part of uh, yeah. help. Some were just inspired by Patrick and Justin, but others are inspired by other people and, and, and other things. So, so we will have that, uh, all that great information to you. I am so excited to be um, going with my friends. I'm so excited to be on the Camino again. I mean, it's really a dream come true that um, I can barely take a few steps now, but I'm going to be on the Camino again. And that's brilliant. So as you're getting ready to embark soon, I guess my question, I'm, I'm sure that people listening are curious as well. What are your current challenges? My prayer request for you all would certainly be pain management that I mean, I want to experience this trip. I can take a couple extra pills uh, to dull the pain. Here at home, when that happens, I fall asleep. Will I fall asleep when I'm in the chair being bumped around? I'm not sure. But if I took two extra pills that I can take, there's a strong possibility for that. So just, I don't, you know, I want to experience it, obviously. So that would be a prayer request there. Uh, I, I think I shared in an earlier podcast that my eyelids don't fully close anymore and how weird that is when you think about all your muscles and that there are muscles around your eyes. So um, the optometrist caught something was going on and sent me to an ophthalmologist the ophthalmologist started by putting plugs in my tear ducts. And yeah, I think we had this conversation because tear ducts are connected to your sinus, which is connected to your funny bone and connected to your knee bone or whatever. So I have no plugs now and I'm seeing white flashes and floaters in my left eye. I see double uh, at times, um, my right eye is much better than my left eye. So I do most of my reading with my right eye now. So I have an appointment with the ophthalmologist. What she's talking about doing is cauterizing my tear ducts, which means, um, you know, burning them. I won't feel it. Um, they give you two shots of tequila and <laughs> one beer before they do it. Uh, so I don't know what they do. I know I'm awake because she said, oh yeah, you'll smell burning flesh. And I was like, what? Uh, but I won't feel it. Mm -hmm. So the question is, you know, what kind of complications do I do this before or after the Camino? Um, the issue of the floaters and seeing the white flashes is that whatever fluid is around your retina is almost totally disappeared, which means my retina can tear, which if I have a retina tear or it 
removes, then I'm in trouble with my left eye for permanent eyesight. Because if, if you have a significant tear there, you need to get that repaired within a day or two, or you can lose your eyesight. So that's a fun thing. Um, and then I knew I was having swallowing problems. I don't know if I've talked about that on this. Um, so food gets caught in between my Adam's apple and my clavicle. And um, so I'm going to an ornithologist, uh, which is a bird watcher. So uh, when I first met with him and I see Susan looking this up, she's trying to I am looking up. word is that it's not an ornithologist. He's not a bird watcher. He's a throat guy. Um, Otolaryngologist. <laughs> is that it? So imagine uh, me trying to say that. So let's just stick with ornithologist. <laughs> <laughs> So just, I mean, they were just lovely to me. Wonderful, wonderful doctors and a physician assistant in there with me the whole time and said I would be getting the report that week. Well, on Friday, I got, it was nothing but a piece of contemporary artwork. Um, but when I hit the chart to look at it, the written results were there. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a slap of reality what it said in the very first line was this patient is experiencing severe issues in the motility of his upper esophagus it wasn't medium rare it wasn't significant it wasn't starting it was already severe mm -hmm. um so what that means is you know, being careful with aspiration pneumonia because the food is caught there. It mm -hmm. can go down the wrong pipe. Mm -hmm. What it means for me is I have to sit up for at least two hours and let gravity work mm -hmm. because the esophagus doesn't work uh, to get the food and pills down because the pills get caught in my throat. Also, I feel them, but I also feel the effects of them. So that's good. So they're being absorbed. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're working. So that's great. It's not an issue of that. Uh, I am beginning to have issues with liquids, just kind of a stoppage at first before the liquid can go down. Mm. Um, the ornithologist did ask me, because uh, we had our meeting yesterday, if drinking a lot of liquid helped the food that was there go down. And I said, no, I've tried water. I've tried milk. I even tried club soda just to be crazy. Like, you know, it's bubbly. Maybe don't take it apart or something, you know? So nothing helps other than gravity to get it down. So he is suggesting to me and um, his PA called first and said, we'll probably want to stretch your uh, esophagus which would be like an angioplasty, but in your esophagus, not in a vein. So something goes on in there. I'm completely propofolled or versetted out. I'm not alert at all to what they're doing. Uh, he did say, I will only try it on you once. I won't try it on you again. Um, Are you going to try that before the Camino or? Um, I'm waiting to hear back from them. So 
you know, everything's hurry up and wait. I will ask significantly because he said the only bad thing that can happen is we can rupture your esophagus. And that's a really bad thing because <laughs> um, that means immediate open you up and have surgery and get it back mm-hmm. together kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. He said he's done thousands of these that hasn't happened to him, but he had to tell me that's a possibility. So, you know, I'll just have that discussion. How close to the Camino do you rupture immediately if you rupture or does it happen a few days later? If it did happen, what's the recovery time? You know, so I'll ask all those questions. So that will decide. So, um, you know, it was a pretty severe slap on Monday when I read severe because it made things real again, even though being in a wheelchair and falling and hitting your head and your shoulder and all kinds of things make what's going on in my life real. But um, on my advanced directive, I said no intubation and no feeding tube. So um, it just made it real. So Monday was kind of painful and hard. Mm -hmm. Tuesday was dark and thoughtful and Wednesday was lovely. Mm. And um, when I described that to somebody, they kind of were like, well, what? I mean, so you dealt with it for two days and now you're fine. That, I mean, how does that make sense? It doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. What makes sense is my journey didn't start two days ago. My journey didn't start when I first went to the neurologist, my journey started in 1977 when I would recognize I was loved by God. So that whole journey up to this point has led me to a place of peace and acceptance. And the really cool thing about the two days was I read a Psalm every day and then a reading every day, another scripture reading every day, and then a devotional reading in my prayer book that I've had since 1990 that my good friend Val bring hi Val. I know you listen to this uh, gave to me as a thank you gift which when she was a youth leader with me in 1990 in my Walling days. So, um, Uh, This week's reading was Psalm 131, um, and it's focusing on the shepherd, and it's particularly what hit me by Wednesday and why I could say I was totally fine on Wednesday is because it says, I am like a weaned child being held in my mother's arms. So I am no longer, you know, clinging to my mother desperately that I need nourishment. I need milk. I know I'm being nourished. I know I'm being taken care of. I know that my mother's present Mm -hmm. and it's speaking of God here Mm -hmm. that I'm weaned from those early days in 1977 till whenever of, you know, desperately clinging for the milk 
mm-hmm. and am really resting in the presence of God. So even though it is cruddy news and I'm not making a joke about it and I'm not making light about it, that's not true. I've made jokes about it at times with some people I've talked to because, you know, it's fun to say, you know, I've taken some time to digest this. Um, and you know, things like that, that I just, you know, whatever. So I still joke cause I'm me, but I'm not joking about it. I'm taking it seriously. I understand what's going on. I understand what I'm facing. Um, but I know who I'm facing it with. Mm-hmm. And not only am I facing it with, Jesus, who loves me dearly and I love dearly, but this podcast, and I could get emotional right now, Susan, um, but this podcast has helped me recognize I'm facing it with community also. Um, So cut out that long pause, but, um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. So I'm facing it with community also, and that makes all the difference in the world. So thank you to everybody who's listening right now. Um, I love you all. I I mean that I feel that. And I appreciate you journeying with me. Amen. Amen. You honor us by your honesty and your tears. Um, I want I want to say the some of the blunt things. A long time ago, before we got to this stage, you mentioned that swallowing would be your end of life issue, probably. Now that we are closer in that regard, essentially what we're, we're what we're talking about here is that you are going to become malnourished. Yeah. And so I I have a lot of questions about that. That I mean, what do they do for you? Because um, I the reason just for people out there like how can you do this? The reason I don't want a feeding tube is because I was around so many people with feeding tubes long-term and it's miserable. It's like three hours to get it dripped into your stomach. There is constant infection where the needle is going into your stomach at the site. So they have to redo that, which no big deal. It's just a needle going into your stomach. I'm not afraid of that, but there's infection in the stomach also that happens the stuff that they put in you feels like a lead weight when it goes in. So it doesn't feel like what you might feel like after you eat a piece of chocolate chip cheesecake. It just feels awful. And it feels awful when it leaves you (laughs) and you have to do it three times a day. So even though I spend so much time in bed already, I can't complain about spending time in bed, but, um, you're in bed feeling awful, having to get help to get up, to go to the bathroom, to feel awful, mm-hmm. to have a little bit of a break before the whole thing starts all over again. 
Um, if the boys were younger, they weren't married. Um, if they weren't doing well, if Patty wasn't in a good place, you know, I might've made a different choice, but I'm making the choice of not fighting a disease that's taking me over. So we'll see how the stretching goes. But then the question is, so if it doesn't work and then I'm having problems swallowing liquids, do I get an IV for a while? Um, I've been around hospice enough. Hospice is just absolutely wonderful whenever that happens. And, you know, I want to go to Augusta with Barrett and Addison next year. So that's my <laughs> next big goal. So that's April usually, I think. March? What month? No, it's April usually. Uh, a lot of people say golf is boring. Just experience Augusta. Even if, yeah, even if you don't like to watch golf, experience Augusta because it's, yeah, it's just a cool thing to watch. And so, you know, the other ironic thing that's going on is I weigh 175. I promised Gil and Toma I'd be 169 by the Camino. What I am learning is I'm feeling so much better by drinking boost and ensure most of the time. Yeah. So I, I debate a little bit because when I do sit down, I mean, I have zero rump when I sit down, I'm sitting on bone period. That's all that's left there. Um, and the width of my arms now, I was never a muscle guy, but the bicep is the same as the forearm. It's just a straight thing that's down and um, you know, I squeeze my stomach and push on myself to see because the only place that I really have weight is my stomach. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, is there muscle under there? I mean, I don't want to have a six pack or anything. I'm not worried about that. But I'm just like, how much of this is blubber and how much? <laughs> so I have decided, okay, you know, it's just for the trip. I can eat cheesecake when I get back. It can sit in my throat for a while and hopefully not give me aspiration pneumonia and eventually work its way down to my stomach and, you know, add the fat to my body again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it, that's why I say that Monday was the shock because that was the blunt part of realizing, oh, crud. I mean, I could fall at any time and break my hip or break my shoulder you know, those kind of things felt fixable. Mm -hmm. Oh, that'd be crummy mm -hmm. uh, to be in a cast or to whatever, or to have to be in the hospital in traction for whatever, whatever, whatever. It all felt fixable. Your esophagus not working yeah. isn't fixable. So yeah, it just made it more real, which made it more sweet which brought on the emotion of me thanking everybody because, because it is at a different stage now and I'm not dying tomorrow. And I really, really want to go to Augusta next year. So mm -hmm. I'm not thinking of dying next month or this summer or, you know, before my birthday, people don't need to email me and get on the website of this and write, Oh, I'm so sorry. And all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. It, I mean, it doesn't, I don't smell, I smelled death around me when this started. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this is something bigger than people are realizing. Mm -hmm. I smell it much closer to me now, but I don't smell it beside me.
obviously I could get, you know, pushed off the cliff on the Camino because they think it's funny and then they don't realize there are rocks on the bottom and, and they can <laughs> in, in a few weeks. But um, yeah, so that's a good blunt question um, uh, for people to know. And, you know, my prayer would be that people would hear things uh, and people would share this podcast with more people so that people in difficult situations can really understand that God is close and God loves you dearly and you're not alone in this and you don't have to panic when you do smell God. Thanks for joining us for a different kind of walk. I know this episode was probably difficult for those of you who are close to Jeff. It was a bit difficult for me as well. But we wanted to be upfront with where he's at. Despite his disease, Jeff and I plan to continue interviewing lovely people for as long as he can. We recently had the privilege of interviewing the author of The Seeker and the Monk, Sophronia Scott, and Camino leader Patrick Gray. Next on the schedule are U.S. publisher and childhood refugee Daniel Nairi, as well as musician and activist David Benjamin Bloor. As Jeff said, spread this around. Let people know that they're not alone in this life, whether in the pain or in the joy. Until next time, live well.